Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today we're joined by Jeremy Maslowski and we typically have guests that are charter captains, but every once in a while, I try to get somebody on who's more of a regular type of guy that goes out and does some fishing on Lake Michigan. And I think that Jeremy, just based on what I know of him, which isn't much, but I don't know if it's, I should really call him a regular guy, but uh, <laughs> he definitely uh, isn't a charter captain, but he does a ton of fishing on the Great Lakes. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. Glad to be here. Well, before we get going, Jeremy, just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and kind of your background in fishing. Yeah, absolutely. A um, little bit about myself. Uh, I've been fishing my entire life, uh, like so many of us. Um, uh, as far as the Great Lakes fishing thing, I started probably when I was 12 or 13 years old. My grandparents would always go to visit my aunt and uncle out at Two Rivers, Wisconsin, Seagull Marina, and and I would always hop in the truck and we'd spend the week out at Lake Michigan and I did that for uh, 15 or 20 years riding with my grandparents. Actually, I, I kind of uh, grew up getting my driver's license with my grandparents. I'd, I'd take the wheel of the pickup and drive across Wisconsin. Kind of a That was where I kind of cut teeth learning to drive a big truck with a camper on the back. So um, I would essentially uh, sit out there for the week and, and salmon fish and kind of was a sponge and picked up a lot of information. And I really never dreamt of running my own boat out there you know, when I got older. But um, when my grandparent or my my grandpa passed away and then uh, a few years ago my uncle that ran the boat out there passed away so i was fortunate enough at that time to you know have a full-time job uh, back here in minnesota and and had you know some cash saved up and, and kind of knew that i was really interested in the salmon fishing thing so i was able to to rig up my my first boat uh, and took it out and salmon fished out of two rivers for a couple years and then uh three years ago uh, 2021, I ordered a, a brand new Lund 1975 boat and fully rigged it up um, with the intention of salmon fishing. Uh, mostly, I, I, I do fish here in Minnesota as well, and um, but I primarily like trailering out there. Um, and then uh, this past summer, I spent almost four weeks, uh, you know, broken up at different periods of the summer. But um, it, it's I've really jumped in it full, feet first. I'm fortunate to have a career here in Minnesota. Um, as a wildlife manager that I, I have a fair amount of time that I, I'm able to get off and uh, work hard the rest of the year so I can take time off in the summer and, and really hit the water hard. Yeah, that's really cool, Jeremy. You live in central Minnesota. So to get to two rivers or get to whatever port you're fishing on Lake Michigan, pulling that boat, what, what kind of drive are we talking about? Yeah, here from uh, Little Falls, which is kind of Right in the geographical part of the state is it's about a six and a half to seven hour drive uh, i head down to the twin cities and then i head east across wisconsin um the last probably 10 years uh the, the infrastructure the road system has really changed i was uh this last year when i made so many trips back and forth i had a lot of flashbacks on uh all the highways have changed we used to go through every single little town and it would take us almost nine hours to get there when now i can do it in six or six and a half and that's pulling a boat so um, Highway 29, kind of a major interstate across Wisconsin, is so much better. Most of the cities are bypassed. So um, when you're pulling a 20-foot boat, you know you, you kind of find the, the the path of least resistance. And I, I like to go real early in the morning to avoid the Twin Cities. That 
know, four or five in the morning. So kind of just bomb over there and, and make good time. So, um, try to try to perfect the drive. I'm fortunate enough that I can usually leave the boat over at a campground or, um, my aunt still has a place over there so I can usually leave the boat over there so I can save a little fuel going back and forth. So that's nice. I can just hop in the pickup, run home for a week and then run back out. Tell me a little bit about your boat. You got into it a little bit, but, uh, tell us about the boat that you're running. Yeah, I'm, I'm running a, a Lund 1975, uh, Tai. Um, it was one of those boats that I'd, I'd always heard about, but you know, I, I figured it wouldn't, I would never be able to afford it or, or be able to, to, to make it happen. But, um, my uncle had passed away and, um, you know, COVID was, we were kind of in the middle of COVID and I was just, I saw that both prices kind of went through the roof and I started digging around and seeing that I could get a, you know, more than I had paid for my previous lawn boat. So I just, uh, and then I've been able to rig it up with, uh, Trax Tech and Rod Trees, a couple downriggers, a um, bunch of rod holders, um, fish hawk, all the graphs. Essentially, I've got it fully, fully decked out. Um, pretty much anything that you'd need. Um, boat has been phenomenal. The first year was we had some hiccups and just trying to work through some kinks of the boat. But the last couple of years, it's been been really a great boat. I, I love it on Lake Michigan. It handles the water well and. Um, I've got a, a nine, nine kicker, you know, hooked to the, the two twenty five here over my shoulder. And, um, usually I'll run a, a Tarova uh, trolling motor up at the bow, especially when I'm fishing by myself, I can use that, to, to help steer the boat and, um, makes it a lot easier and, and pretty, pretty flawless to run the boat when you're by yourself and you're trying to fight, you know, fight a fish and drive the boat at the same time. If I'm with friends or family or my girlfriend, that's out. Um, a lot of times I won't drop the trolling motor. I've got someone else to drive the boat, but, um, that's the typical way that we'll, uh, get up and run. Usually I'm, I'm confident running nine, nine to 12 lines, depending on how many people are in the boat. Um, my typical spread is going to be, um, two or three board lines on either side, um, a couple wire dipsies, a couple braid dipsies, and then a couple, uh, rods off the downriggers off the back. Tell me a little bit about the electronics. You, you'd mentioned fish hawk, but, uh, what else are you running for electronics on your boat? Yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm not a, a huge techie person, so I've just got a um, a Helix at uh, a nine at the console, and um, essentially I'm just typically running two screens when I'm out there. I've got my GPS and and then the you know the typical just 2D sonar. Um, I, I haven't really delved a whole lot into all the other other technology. I mean, I think back in 40, 50 years ago, people were still able to catch fish, so. You know, I'm sure some of the newer technology helps people catch more, but I, I don't seem to have a problem putting fish in the boat. The fish hawk definitely helps a lot on, on certain days when we've got some crazy currents, you know, like like often we do out on Lake Michigan and, and it helps a lot. And uh, uh, even just where our, our temp uh, our temp sets up, it, it can be so variable. Some days we can be in close and some days you're out deep and, you know, your surface temperature might be reading one thing. And I hear a lot of guys, uh, chit-chatting about you know they find a 52 degrees on the surface well they have no idea that it's just um, you know bath water down lower could be you know ice water and, and uh, it really helps a lot especially for myself that's trailering over there I don't I can't spend the entire summer so I really need to to make hay when I get there and um, communicate with friends that are over there but really depend on uh, you know, my, my short amount of time on the water to be able to to find what I'm looking for. 
You said that you kind of grew up, you cut your teeth fishing around that Two Rivers area. Uh, is that still typically where you're doing your fishing? Or are there other ports that you enjoy on Lake Michigan? Yeah, the last couple of years, especially uh, since I've started running my boat, we've um, both my girlfriend and myself, we've really fallen in love with Kiwani, which is about a half an hour north of Two Rivers. Still really like the Two Rivers area, but the, the Kiwani, just the town is a, a, you know, a real small, quaint kind of fishing community. And and I've really met a lot of great people uh, at one of the campgrounds that we typically stay at. I've met a lot of really nice people that uh, have been able to help me out and kind of, you know, I knew a fair amount when I got there three or four years ago, but just learning the, learning the water and some different techniques that they use. And um, even just uh, before I get, get out there on a, on a week trip or a two week trip, I can shoot them a text or give them a call and, and get some Intel. So Kiwani area, I've really hit hard as well as the two rivers. Um, I think this year we're going to plan a couple of weeks up in Algoma too, just to kind of mix things up and, that's the nice thing about having a trailer of boat. I can just go to a different town or um, schedule a different campground. That's the typical way that we do it. We just try to pick a campground that's close to town or in town, close to the launch. And um, I, I bring the chest freezer over there with a, a solar generator and I can run everything essentially off grid. I don't need a, any electricity. So it's, it's really nice. We're pretty self-sufficient. So as long as we got a place to crash, we can pretty much go anywhere. And that's been kind of maybe my one weakness. I wish I would go out and explore more and, and fish more, uh, especially on the southern part of the lake town towards um, Port Washington and Sheboygan and Milwaukee. But uh, I guess I, I try to limit the amount of time that I get over there and try to find where the fish are at and go that way. Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to ask you, you know, what does a typical trip look like? If you're going to go over there and do some fishing, you know, give me an idea of, you said you go with your girlfriend quite a bit, but, um, you know, what does that look like as far as when you leave, where you stay, you know, just kind of the, the nuts and bolts of, of just getting over there and how long are you typically over there for? I mean, what is a, what does a trip typically look like for you? Yeah. So, um, the last couple of years, I just with trying to get time off of work and, um, like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'm just a, I'm just a blue collar guy. I, I'm not a pro staffer. I, I'm not collecting payments from anybody. I just like to fish. So I've really got to, to manage my time and I've got to you know put in, put in my time off. So most of the time I can't just say, Hey, the fish are biting. I got to leave tomorrow. It's like right now I have two weeks on the books already for this coming summer. So I just pretty much pick a camp, pick the campground that I want to go to and sometimes it might be a crapshoot. It might hit crappy weather or the fish might not be going like it was a couple of years ago. I came out in um, third week in June and, and a buddy and I, we fished, I think we put in over 60 hours in a week and we landed one fish. I mean, I could have changed the trip and went to another time when the fish were biting, but that was just kind of the way it works. Um, so essentially we've got the, the trips mostly on the books, sometimes in uh, July or August, if I've got a little extra time and a, and a friend or family member that are able to come, we can say, Hey, the fish are really going. Let's, let's go next week and, and pack up the boat and go. Um, it, it depends on if I have left the boat over there, if it's over here, but typically if the boat is here at home, I can, I can load everything up in, in the boat, all the salmon gear stays in all summer long. It's just a matter of packing up some clothes and a tent and, and throwing the freezer in and, and we can head out. Um, know six and a half hour drive and we can be on the water i i know some guys here from minnesota that do trailer over and they like to drive all night long and, and get to to a port by four or five in the morning and then they can fish all day but 
<laughs> I'm a type of guy I need my sleep. So I guess I'd, I'd rather just uh, push the trip a little bit longer. Um, you had mentioned before how long, typically it's about a week. I'll usually leave on a Saturday and come home on a Saturday, um, maybe plus or minus a day on either end. And, you know, if I've got a little extra time, I can pop back over for four or five days. But, you know, so many guys that fish on the Great Lakes know that you pretty much got to build in weather. It's, it's, it's a pretty much a given that it's going to happen. And I've been fortunate in the last three or four years that I've hit some phenomenal weather. We haven't been uh, shore bound for three or four days because of big, big storms or nasty rain. We've been pretty fortunate enough. So 90 to 95% of the mornings and evenings we can typically fish. And that's how we will normally run. We'll, we'll head out an hour or two before sunrise, fish until 10 or 11, come in, eat some lunch, rest a little bit, and then head back out in the afternoon and, and fish the evening for four o'clock until 10 or 11. And, um, it can really wear on you. I mean, it's almost like we're a, we're a, we're a charter, except we're just Joe fishermen. So by the end of the week, you're pretty worn out, but, um, typically it's worth it if the fish are going. Yeah. That sounds like, uh, a, a quite an adventure. Tell me, you said you got a couple weeks already in the books. What is your favorite time to fish? When's your favorite time to make a trip? So if I said you could only fish for one week this year, when would you make that trip and where would you go? Yeah, honestly, the based on the last couple of years, we've had such odd weather looking at this this past summer that we just wrapped up. I I, I'm, I had an extra week of vacation and I, I just I pretty much planned it three days before and I went out right before Memorial Day and I stayed for the, the end of May and the beginning of June. And I was at Two Rivers staying with my aunt at her RV and the fishing was off the charts. There was nobody around. The charters were sitting on shore. Uh, it was me and just a handful of other people and, and I couldn't keep the fish off the line. So that's very atypical for the you know, mid, uh, mid Lake Michigan on the Wisconsin side, typically late May, there isn't much for a bite going on. Usually it's not until mid June or so mid or third week in June when the fish start going. Um, but I, I guess on a, a more of a normal year, um, I like that third or or third week in June, maybe the last week in June, usually by then the, the Kings are starting to come around. There's still some scattered cohos. The water is starting to warm up and we have some steelhead around. So I like to be before 4th of July, just because there's not as many crowds and, and you got a little more uh, water to spread out. And if, if I had my choice, but I mean, all the way through the month of July, it can be really, really good. But then again, then you're battling a lot more boats and, and a lot more people around. So kind of a horse apiece, but if I had to pick one week, it's probably that either third or fourth week in June. And, and that's when I like to be over there. It's not too hot. There's not much for uh spiny water fleas out yet. And so kind of the best of both worlds. You got a long rip from central Minnesota all the way over to Lake Michigan. What's uh, and you're pulling that trailer a lot. What's your favorite place to stop? I mean, do you have a favorite truck stop or a favorite place to pull over to stretch out your legs? What's, what's kind of, I honestly would say it's if I had a spot to, yeah, typically I'm going to stop in Kadat. It's usually about the halfway point to just a small uh, truck stop right off of the highway. That's where we always stopped when I was growing up. It was just, we'd always stop there for lunch or uh, uh, grab a sub or something like that. So that's typically where I just always gravitate to stopping. And even, uh, when I was going to college from Little Falls and going over to Wisconsin to Stevens Point, um, which is in central Wisconsin, that was just where I always stopped. It just, I, it's almost like it's autopilot and the truck just 
gravitates to the parking lot. So that's typically where I like to stop. There's a couple of cheese curd joints along the highway that, that we like to pull in and grab a couple pounds of the cheap cheese curds for the, for the trip. Uh, um, but that's typically where we like to stay. I'm the type of person I, I really hate stopping. It's usually just to fill up the tank of gas and, um, you know, have a quick uh, 30 second stretch break and get back on the road. I'm, I'm too excited to get, get out to the lake and get the boat ready to go instead of sitting in the truck. All right. Get out of this. Tell me about, about how you fish. Are you a spoon guy? Are you a meat guy? Uh, how are you typically setting your rigs? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm kind of a hybrid, I guess, of, of everything except meat. I've never, never attempted it. And, uh, I, I'm probably should give it a whirl. I know, uh, there's not as many people that do, but typically I'm running a, a pretty, uh, um, pretty good spread of spoons, flasher flies, and then, uh, I guess like the teaser rig or vegan rig um, with like a fish blade. I've really had a lot of success the last two years uh, running that on a wire diver. Um, typically all mostly spoons on, on the board lines. And I, like I said, I'm more of a traditionalist. Uh, typically have only ran uh, lead core on my board lines. This At the end of this season, I, I was able to rig up a couple of copper lines. I borrowed one from a buddy. Um, this last uh, trip that I took and I figured I'd, I'd add a couple of those to the setup. So I'll be looking forward to using uh, a little more copper in the spread as well as my lead core this year. Um, but yeah, typically a, a little of everything and then I can kind of hone in and see what the fish are going after. Uh, the last couple of years, the, that teaser rig or vegan rig with a fish blade has been my, my number one rod. I mean, there's trips that I have four or five hits on that one setup and I'll add a couple more of those into the spread just because it's been so good. Yeah. Tell me what that would look like, Jeremy. If I uh, made you go fishing by yourself, you only get three lines and we're going to put you out there the third week of June. What are those three lines? How are they going to be set and what's going to be on them? Yeah, I'm going to run a, a rigger probably down uh, 30 or 40 feet, I guess, depending on where a thermal client is set up. But or run a dig uh, a rigger with a flasher fly down there. I've I've had some pretty good success with salmon candy stuff. I know, uh, um, you know, it pretty much all seems to do the job. But I, I've had some good success with like a, a Megatron and Illumination fly on a on a down rigger down 30 or 40. Um, and then I'm going to throw the wire diver out there with a fish blade and the, that vegan rig or teaser rig. Um, typically something in a blue color that's been really really good in in mid June. And then I'll throw out a, a board line, probably a five color with a um, like an orange squid pro king spoon has been the last how many years has been just dynamite for steelhead. This this last year was definitely an exception. We had very few steelhead around. I know quite a few guys I talked to really struggled to find them um, where we were at in the lake this year. But when they're around that that five color with a like an orange, anything orange is just going to be dynamite. So those will be the three rods that I'll run when I'm by myself and and this last year at, at uh, Memorial Day that week when I was out, I had a couple trips that I had that I pulled my limit. We were running those three lines. And, and the one trip trip in particular, I had um, three big fish. And uh, I between those three, I, I almost spent two hours on the rod just cranking on three fish. So I, I needed a day to recover after that. But that's usually what I'm going after. Well, you talked a little bit about what you're going after. You know, you're driving past a pretty big piece of water to get to Lake Michigan. Um, what is it about Lake Michigan that makes you put the extra miles on it and go past a, a 
pretty big piece of water in Lake Superior to get to Lake Michigan. Yeah, I think uh, part of it is just tradition. So many of us, we kind of get stuck in our ways and that's what we always do. So um, a lot of friends and uh, still have a little bit of family out there at Lake Michigan. So I like to go out there. Um, and once you catch a 20 or 25 pound king, it's really hard to, to try to target anything else. I have spent a, a couple of days here and there out on, on the Duluth end of Lake Superior and went after some lake trout and cohos in the spring. But to me, it's just not the same as... Uh, you know, hooking up on a big king or, or a big steelhead on a lake, uh, lake Michigan when you're you know, screaming out five, six, seven hundred feet of line and having to spend a half an hour, 45 minutes battling a fish. I, I, I just can't, uh, I can't put that aside. So that's just why I like to go over there. And, and depending on where I would go out on Lake Michigan or excuse me, Lake Superior, besides Duluth, which is about three hours from here, um, a lot of Lake Superior is going to be a further drive than it is to Lake Michigan. So um, I kind of just look at the drive time as well. And to me, it's just worth it to drive a couple extra hours in Michigan and spend the week out there. Very good, Jeremy. Tell me about uh, what is your favorite piece of equipment? So the one thing that if somebody said, hey, I'm thinking about uh, getting into salmon fishing, thinking about rigging something up, you'd be like, this is the first thing I would buy. What, what is that favorite piece of equipment on your boat? Yeah, that's a, a tough question. I mean, there's a lot of things that are important, uh, you know, whether it's safety gear uh, and your particular rod and reel setup. Um, obviously, I realize this is the fish hawk show, but I, without it, the first couple of years I ran my smaller Lund boat out there and I didn't have a probe. And I can say the last couple of years, once I've had one, the amount of fish that I put in the boat has been, I mean, probably tenfold. It's a, uh, you know, I hate to sound cliche, but it's just, that's the way it is. It really helps to put fish in the boat and finding the right water, um, whether it's currents or finding the right temp. I mean, it, it puts a lot of fish in the boat. So there's been multiple people that I've talked to at the landing, um, you know, and they see just a small, small trailerable guy like myself and, and they, and they see us coming with a, a cooler full of fish and wondering how we got him and, and I'll find out oftentimes that they won't be, you know, they won't have a, uh, a fish hawk down there. And I'll definitely suggest that to them. But, uh, I think, uh, myself just oftentimes I fish by myself a lot. So having, uh, you know, all the safety gear and, um, I'm, I like to just throw on in an inflatable PFD and that's what I like to run because I'm by myself. So I think that's just as important. There's a lot of, a lot of crazy things that can help out or happen out on the lake, whether you're trip or slip or fall in or, or hit a, a wave the wrong way. I think that's just as important. Sometimes people forget about that and think it's not important, but um, one wrong slip and you're into the drink and, and the rest might be history. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a real good point. Um, kind of leads me, I guess, to the next question. That is what piece of advice would you give to somebody who wants to get into starting to, to do some big water fishing, who maybe has a multi-species trailerable boat like you do, um, what, what advice would you give them? I would say, try to, try to build a network of people. You know, if they, if they know where in particular they're heading on, um, you know, whether it's Lake Michigan or Lake Superior or another great lake to try to find a network of people. And, and that's the great thing about social media now and having the, certain forums or pages that you can join. And, and a lot of people are really good on helping answer questions or, you know, they might not want to publicly share some advice, but they might just send you a message and help you out. But um, I might, or 
I myself from going to the same port the last couple of years, I have a half a dozen people that I can, I can call them up today and have a conversation. And once fishing season's going on, I can get some really good advice as far as, you know, where the fish are going, what they're, what they're going after. So I think, um, just, um, building a group or a network of people can really be, really be important. And then from there, I mean, you can build, build out your setup, you know, having, a certain tackle or a certain piece of uh, equipment on your boat you can have that after but having the, the the tips and tricks from from the locals or people that are out there doing it more often than yourself can really be helpful all right jeremy is there anything that i didn't ask you tonight that you wanted to talk about before we let you go uh, i would just say for the you know the people that do have smaller trailer bull boats i and I hear it all the time and, and still now today that people are like, well, you only have a 20 foot boat. There's no way you can take it on the Great Lakes. And the we have got great weather forecasting tools. Uh, if you know where to look, I've got a couple National Weather Service Great Lakes um, weather forecasting apps that are typically they're pretty spot on. So myself, when I'm traveling six hours, I need to to really maximize my time on the water so I can I kind of dig into that and try to look at the forecast going forward. and um, I try to have everything laid out once I get there so I can maximize time out there. Yeah, I think that's really important. So when you're heading out there, just just having a plan and, and meeting people to help you out. Very good. He's Jeremy Maslowski from Minnesota, but he's a guy who loves fishing Lake Michigan on the Wisconsin side. Jeremy, thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight and uh, just sharing with our audience kind of what you do and giving people an idea of something maybe they could do as well. Uh, really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Chris. Had a good time. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.